Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Save the Last Dance. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast because we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff and it's quite general film chat. But if you do proceed without having seen the film, just be aware that there are a couple of plot spoilers. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Good evening, sire. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Once again, I am late. I have to apologise. Not that to the listeners it makes any difference, but yeah, I'm about five minutes late. Because I got home late because trains are all fucking useless. Trains are useless, it's true. Um... They are the worst, honestly. Like every week, yesterday and today, they've had fires on the line. Like, I don't know if it's just because it's really hot. Like, is it hot enough that everything's just bursting into flames because England just can't deal with any kind of weather? I think that's that's my theory, anyway. I think it's down to the fact that the, the lines knew you were coming, Paddy, and they couldn't control themselves. <laughs> you mean they, they exploded with flames of passion? Yeah, exactly. Yep. They're metaphorical flames. No, no, actual flames. Literal, literal metaphorical flames. <laughs> Literal metaphorical flames, metaphysical frames, <laughs> flames, frames. You, you, you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm all right. I had to buy a new laptop because my old one died and um, it died literally like about 20 seconds after I'd finished uploading last week's episode. It was like it knew with its dying breath that I had to get this episode done. It's like, right, I must do this before I move on to the great apple store in the sky the apple store in the sky well i'm taking it to the apple store next week to try and get it fixed just so i can sell it back to them to get some money back but you know what are you gonna do Mm. so yeah it's my birthday next week and i've done that thing where i'm like everyone says what do you want i'm like well i just had to spend a shitload of money on a laptop because apple tax so you can give me some money if you want which is kind of boring no one gets to buy me like party hats or sweets or any of the birthday things you used to get when you were a kid (laughs) I'll get you a party hat. Yeah? Yeah. I'll get All you right. a, a, a Spider-Man hat or something like that. Spider-Man I would love a Spider-Man hat. hat. Especially as Spider-Man does not wear a hat. Exactly. It's the he one is thing not that's hatted. missing. That's why you can't beat Doc Ock and Mysterio. Because and... they all wear hats. Yeah, exactly. Ba, 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 ba. Does Mysterio wears a big old hat. He's got a big glass bowl on his head. But Dr. Octopus doesn't, does he? He's just got glasses. Yeah. Each they're, of his they're arms pretty big should, glasses. Each of his yeah. arms should have a different hat on. <laughs> that that's how. Or he he'd... could he could just put the arms up behind him and onto his head to make a hat. Oh like yeah, he could do that. There's so much. Um, there's so much benefit to having hats everywhere. Um, so I don't I don't know why he doesn't. It would, yeah, it would it would improve things considerably. Why aren't you wearing a hat right now? Wait, hold on. <laughs> Oh, I see. You got gone for the old tentacle hat. Yeah, you? yeah. I'm trying to think. How do you like me now? <laughs> uh, for our listeners at home, Paddy has just put what I think is a laptop case on his head. Well, it's part. Well, okay, there's this. 
very boring story behind this, which is that I ordered a new case for the new laptop because the old one was too loose because they're, they're very thin now, your MacBook Pros. And I didn't know that it even came with it, but it came with a separate little like classy pouch to put your charger in. Oh, how very cool, nice. How cool is that? Whatever the brand this of case this is, Inatech, they are now sponsoring us and they need to give us money. Yeah, where's our money, Inatech? Yeah. Where's where's We're... my charger holder? <laughs> yeah, Rob did not get his free gear. One star. <laughs> Anything Paddy gets, I get as well. We've still got a lot of um, a lot of people to chase for sponsorship money, haven't we? We do. There's not a lot do. of it coming in. No, come on. Where's our sponsorship money? Yeah. Who else do we talk about? Greg's. Have we ever talked about Greg's? I always think of them as the the kind of archetypal weird sponsorship example because I mean this is going back at least ten, if not fifteen years. But Charlie Brooker once wrote about Greg's um, Greg's sausage rolls in one of his screen burn columns. And a box of like full of sausage rolls turned up at his house the next day. That's amazing. What do you do with a box of sausage rolls that need to be eaten urgently, though? You have a party. Sausage roll party? Yeah, a sausage fest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but that story has really stayed with me in terms of thinking about sponsorship and branding and everything. And I think Greg's, they're doing it right, aren't they? Yeah, where's, where's my box of sausage rolls, Greg's? I know. Greg's, if you're listening, and we know you are, because I know you listen to every podcast, Ian Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> Give us our sausage rolls. I thought his name was Greg Greg's. Greg Gregory Greg's. Gregson Greg's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. While we, you know, but, you know, we're carrying on without sponsorship anyway. We've, co- we've come this far, haven't we? Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll plow on ahead. Yeah. Um, how has um how has your week been? It has been okay. Today I ran a um a charity FIFA tournament at work. Oh wow. Raising money for Mental Health UK. Um had lots of of uh, whooping guys playing FIFA in the name whooping, of charity. <laughs> whooping guys. <Yeah. laughs> Who are the whooping guys? Making making raucous noises. Is that what they our... call male fans of Whoopi Goldberg? That yeah, they're the they're the whooping guys. <laughs> the whooping boys. <laughs> It's like the Proud Boys or the Wolf Boys, yeah, but considerably less awful than the Proud Boys and marginally weaker than the Wolf Boys. Yeah, yeah, of course. You can't beat a good Wolf Boy. They're not Wolf. They're not Proud. They're just whooping. They're just whooping. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, that's a, that sounds like good fun. Yeah, people enjoyed it, um, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do some other um, video game based charity events over the rest of the year. I'm thinking maybe. Something to do with the Formula One and having a Mario Kart tournament or something yes. like that, I think would go down quite well. I'm much more down with that because I love Mario Kart, not because I like Formula One. No offense to like Formula One fans who are an interesting and strange group of people from what I understand, but I find watching cars driving around boring as hell. See, I, I used to be a really big fan of Formula One and I used to go to the, the British, British Grand Prix with my folks. Um, really? But then it, it got a bit boring for a few years, but it's quite good again now. The last few seasons have been very interesting. Um, they, they've made a lot of changes to it, and it is more fun. Um, but yeah, it's a really strange mix of people who are into Formula One. Um, but but what I really like about it is that it's the kind of sport where you can just put it on in the background, and you can like drop in and drop out without really missing anything. Yeah. Um, it, it's like 
it's it's like it works in the same kind of way as tennis where tennis you'll be on for a few hours and you're just like yeah oh oh, you know I'll, i'll just have a look and see what's going on now you can read a book. You you only have to look up when there's some serious grunting because that means there's action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that grunt there sounded like a Formula One engine as well. <laughs> but well, I I can do I can do multiple, any sport you want. <laughs> multiple uses. Whether it involves cars, people, dogs, you know any any sport sound you want, I can do it. I'm like the police academy guy. <laughs> I wonder what the police academy guy is doing now. I don't know. I've never seen any of the police academy movies. I just know it from The Simpsons. You've <laughs> never seen any of the police no. academy movies. And he does all the impressions. And then there's, there's another. I can't remember even remember the context anymore. There's a really really great line where he says to Bart, "Why do you think I took you to all those police academy movies for fun?" <laughs> They really liked ripping on the Police Academy films, actually. Yeah. Because um, they have that whole thing about who made Steve Gutenberg a star. When obviously yeah. the, his most famous movie is Police Academy as well. Right. Um, and again, I didn't know who Steve Gutenberg was, but I got I in, inferred from the song that he was an actor. Yes. Instead of, instead of the creator of Project Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah. Or the Gutenberg Bible. Incidentally, I have been to the Gutenberg Museum in Mainz, which is a little outside of Frankfurt, and they have Gutenberg's printing press there, and I've and it still works, and I've seen them print stuff on it. Could you print something on there yourself? I think so. Yeah, I think they had like a daily workshop, but I arrived too late. Could you, yeah, could... and it's free as well. I think you could... can just rock up and get something printed. Could you just print the word "bum" using Maybe. using the Gutenberg press? I'm going to check if if the word. The spelling B U M means something in German. How's your How's your German? I I did German up to GCSE. Okay, so is that bum or boom? Is I'd, that I'd, does that I'm mean something? I'm not aware of well. of bum meaning anything in German. <laughs> Sorry, I typed in bum and it auto corrected it to bummeln, which means social loafing. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what social loafing means. It's where you um, get some bread and you share it around people in your vicinity. Yeah. <laughs> started by Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, apparently it's translated bum into bang. So it's I think it's it's an onomatopoeic word in German, like boom. Okay. So they just think you were doing a sound effect. So yeah, I guess that'd be fine. So I could go in and say this is in honor of the guy from the Police Academy movies. Yeah, and just get bum printed. Definitely. I mean, I know where I'm going on my next holiday now. That's that's it. I will, <laughs> that, that on my bucket list: print a silly word using <laughs> a historical monument of printing. Yeah, it's it's also a really good and fascinating museum about the history of printing and print culture around the world. Oh, cool. Um, and it's got loads of like printers through the ages and stuff. And it has it also, whilst still portraying Gutenberg as the inventor of the printing press also acknowledges that um, there was like Chinese and Japanese people printing stuff centuries before him, like going back to like the BC times with the kind of movable blocks of type and stuff. And they've got like all of those as well. It's a, it's a really fantastic museum. Oh, brilliant. Um, Oh yeah. I, I do love a good museum like that. I like those kind of museums that have a very specific focus. Yeah. Um, 
there's there's a great maritime museum i can't remember where it is down in cornwall um but they had it, it was all about sort of like marine life and coastal life and and being on a boat basically was its main focus and they had a really great uh viking exhibition when i went there oh nice um, i love a, love a good viking was, exhibition yeah it was it was great really have good. you ever been to the jorvik viking center in york no i have not no that is a fantastic viking experience if you ever get the chance i i, I keep meaning to go to york i don't think i've ever been it's um, pretty nice actually yeah it would be um it was my second choice university. Oh, was I, it? Yeah, I oh. had the same offer f- from there as from Exeter. And obviously I'm very glad I chose Exeter because otherwise I'd never have met you. Exactly. You would have been stuck with someone far superior from York. <laughs> yeah. I'd have been, I've been doing a podcast with some, some northern person, maybe. <laughs> you could talk about um, Full Monty. <laughs> the only northern film ever made <laughs> <laughs> i've only seen it once i think i've only seen it once as well yeah all I, all I literally all i remember is some northern people being northern drinking pints and then a lot of hairy men's bums yeah there's lots of lots of um hairy hairy men with um hairy men from sheffield or pretending that they are from sheffield and pubs that and those are my main memories of the film. Maybe we should watch it sometime. We should, yeah. There's got to be some romance in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's just the romance of male stripping, which is the greatest romance of all. Yeah, the greatest love of all. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. So, save the last dance. Yes. A film neither of us had seen no. until until this week. So, what did you make of it? I found it interesting. Um it was an it was an intriguing one um in that it was a lot more dramatic than i thought it was going to be um i thought it was going to have its silly moments um alongside the obvious sort of ham-fisted dance is a way of culturally combining races that kind of came through um but yeah it took itself much more seriously than i thought it would have it um, did take itself quite seriously, yeah. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it was po faced, but it was, it was a, a quite serious and very overtly emotional film. And I think what I expected was something a bit more like Step Up, which is the the writer's later work. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name, Dwayne Adler. Yeah, I've got it written down. And this was one of his early things. And it seems like he only writes cheesy dance films, which is quite a good niche. Yeah, I had a, I had a look through at his um his history, his writing history, and it is basically Step Up, Save the Last Dance, a few other dance movies, um, and it's a it's an it's an interesting sort of niche of film, isn't it? Those kind of romance dance. Yeah. Um, because because dance is the language of love. Mm-hmm. Although I always thought the language of love was you know the written word or the spoken word not expression that can be interpreted in various ways not the buttocks of northern men <laughs> not the buttocks of northern men hmm. well i thought it was music shakespeare shakespeare told us it was music so i i feel like either shakespeare was lying or all of these dance films are also selling lies they can't both be correct can they and and there can only know, be one language of love and and i think that we all know which has the more cultural significance and that Shakespeare was talking a load of rubbish. 
because clearly, you know, it is dance, as we learned from this film. Yeah. But as the teacher said in, I think, was it um, She's All That? Shakespeare's a dead white guy, but he knows his shit. It's true. <laughs> I think it was She's All That. Um, yeah, was it Was it She's All That? I, yeah, we'll go with She's All That. I think so. Yeah. I might have to listen back to our to our old episodes to find out. Um, but yeah, it's it's an. I I was pleased to watch this film. Um, it was, it's one of those films that kind of you're you're vaguely aware of from growing up in the area that we were. Even if you didn't see it, you sort of yeah. recognize the name, you recognize the poster, um, and you have that vague understanding of what it's about. Had Katie seen it before? No, no. That's interesting because I guess maybe she's a couple of years younger than us, but I think I feel like every woman who's our age has seen this film. And I was talking to Claire, my wife, about this, obviously, because it was also her idea. So she's redeemed herself after making us watch Baywatch. <laughs> but <laughs> um, she'd only seen it once before. But she remembers like at at school, I think when it when it came, it came out in 2001. So we would have been like 13. And I think um, as a young woman or sort of early teenage girl that's that's a quite an impressionable age i guess and yeah it seemed to have had a big emotional impact on people around our age so i bet if you took a random sample of a bunch of women who are our age this film would have meant a lot to them in the same way that i think dirty dancing did for women who are a little bit older yeah and and, and that's a good um that's a good cons- uh, comparison i suppose um particularly that th- those kind of dance romance movies seem to um seem to come around every few years um so you had you had this and you had uh step up and coyote ugly as well as get a film that kind of revolves coyote around ugly dance. our um, um year nine english teacher got in trouble for showing us that film oh really <laughs> yeah i think it was the end of term <laughs> is there is there anything that's particularly raucous about about um coyote ugly i don't think so but, Any, but anything I, that I think kids maybe it had see? a 15 certificate oh, okay. so, someone was upset about it anyway it was either that or someone really cared about its literary merit or lack thereof you you had a narc in your class paddy is what it is <laughs> yeah class is full of cops <laughs> um but yeah it, it was it, it was interesting to watch say the last dance and i feel as though there aren't enough movies that kind of talk about race in the way that this film talks about race. And I know that's kind of a heavy way to start with this film, but it it kind of does ask interesting questions, which isn't necessarily what you expect from a movie that is primarily about someone like rekindling their love of dance through hip hop and through a new relationship. Yeah. It talks about race smartly, I think, and yeah. it does it well. It's as you say, it's it's a little bit ham fisted at times, and by the end of the film, you realise that it's not about race at all, and that actually it's it's about her journey of self discovery, and everything else is just kind of a step along that road, including dealing with the issues of race, because it's it's about her just nailing that audition, and literally as soon as that audition's done, the film just ends. <laughs> Yes, yeah. It, it doesn't go into any of the what happens next, i.e. he's going to go off to train to be a doctor or she's going to go off to dance school um, or anything anything like that. It abandons her potentially rekindled relationship with her father 
um like right there and then as well um it leaves a lot of strands unfinished i'd say um her father who gives her an emotional dad speech of course because all films have to have an emotional dad speech which i felt was kind of incongruous because so far he'd been quite disinterested but then just when at the point when you needed the emotional dad speech he came out with it so it's like he's he's a good guy really he's a jazz trumpeter but even though like he also kind of quite incongruously gets really annoyed when she stays out late that one time and then doesn't care anymore after that yeah i th- i think the the dad was kind of he has a very good emotional dad speech it's one of the the best that we've watched on the podcast um but i feel like he was used not perhaps in the most effective way in that you kind of get the sense occasionally that he really cares and you kind of get what they were going for in that you know he understands her independence but he just wants to be made aware of where she is but then outside of that it's fine um but it kind of feels like um it it kind of feels like they wanted to paint him as the vaguely bad guy but not really and just leave yeah. him as this kind of additional character to add a yeah, little bit of turmoil here and there exactly yeah these are all kind of small small flaws so we're just really nitpicking overall i i i did enjoy this film quite a lot but yeah there are a few bits like that that were just a little bit clunky and a bit simplistic and i felt like it wasn't quite sure how much dance to put into the film and how to how much to make it about dance and i feel like maybe it was about Dwayne adler finding his feet in terms of getting his love of dance into a film and making it work with the story um, and then when, by the time you get to step up four, it's just all dance. And then there's a few lines in between, in between, although yeah. I haven't seen step up four, if there is a step up. Four. <laughs> and I think, um, and and I think that's right in that this is kind of, it's, it's testing the water, isn't it? To see whether you can re sort of rebirth that subgenre of romantic movie that revolves around dance in the modern setting where there's there is some folk like because this film does have some focus on dance in it um there's a few scenes that sort of handle it um in different ways but it doesn't go to the same extent as as um as step up Um, no i i expected there to be actual actually more dance content i expected there to be kind of longer scenes or scenes that were kind of a bit almost a bit more kind of musical like in terms of their essentialness to the storytelling and they weren't necessarily like it was mostly him it was mostly about their relationship and him kind of teaching her and her learning and about them bonding which was actually really nice and really refreshing and that side of it subverted my expectations in a good way but I think because we've known that this film had an emotional impact on people I expected it to be more like a musical I don't know yeah I thought the dance scenes would be handled in a lot more stylistic manner um, whereas they're dealt with very real life so it is dancing at a club or learning how to read like learning how to dance again and, and and those are the only real scenes you have you don't have those big showy um quick camera cut dance scenes in here it's all dealt with in a very matter of fact way um which i think is quite i think it works in its favor really that it does it that way as well um because it it fits in much better with the gritty world that they're trying to portray yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's that's what I was getting at. I think is that actually it's it's a realist piece. It's a hundred percent realistic. There's nothing in this film that is kind of fantastical or 
overly stylized or stylized at all actually every scene is something that could just be happening in real life anytime so and in a way it's it's good that they managed to pull that off it's it's smart yeah it's it, it it is i think that's a real one of the real benefits of it um but then that does lead to a little bit of an issue with the way that it talks about race and then kind of leaves it hanging Oh yeah. Um because because I don't know if you found this as well Paddy but al- although I really like the main character here and found her story very interesting. Hey, it's Julia no Styles. It, yeah. She she's like a friend of the podcast. <laughs> and by no means is it is it a is it a as a poor portrayal of a main character or anything like that. A poor but portrayal. I found I I I found that um the some uh, quite a lot of the secondary characters and the stories that revolved around the secondary characters found like kept my interest lots more than this person wants to go to dance school and and i understood like the emotional implications of it and the history behind it um but things like um a single mother trying to get by in the world and trying to handle school life and handle life as a teenager alongside having no support from the father of the child or um someone who wants to go to um school to better themselves but they're still friends with people who are, are tied to a life of drug dealing um and trying to like pull their friends out of that lifestyle and maintain that friendship at the same time i found those stories much more interesting um than just the dance focused one and i kind of wish they'd done more with them um and and you kind of understand why they were kind of either dropped at a certain point because there's no real resolution or given a resolution that kind of works in quite a saccharine way yeah i um, thought when um malachi got or when he crashed the car that he was going to be dead and i'm glad that he wasn't dead but that was um that storyline in particular malachi is his friend is um what's the character's name the main guy oh um let me let me just get up the thing. Derek. Derek Dance Boy. Yeah. Derek Derek Dance Boy is his full name. Derek the Dance Man. Um yeah, and his friend Malachi is like he's dealing drugs and stuff and Derek's like got his back and stuff and it's a really interesting scene when like Derek and oh, what's what's her name, Julia Stiles? I can't remember any uh, characters. Sarah. Derek and Sarah. I can't remember any characters' names today. Um Derek and Sarah, they're walking along and he's got his boom box and it's quite early on in the relationship and She's like, why do you hang out with Malachi? He's like a criminal. And Derek's like, yeah, he is. We've actually done some bad shit. And he's just talking about it, like, really matter-of-factly um, as a way that's just like, oh, he's, I've, I've got his back. And I felt like that was really, really interesting because the film wasn't judging him for that. It was presenting it in a really non-judgmental way. And it was did the exact same thing with um, his sister, um, Kerry Washington's character, who had has a baby and it's like a young single mum and the film does not judge her for that either and that's actually an incredibly rare thing to see like whenever i think teenage or single motherhood is portrayed on film or even in the media at all it's like the mother is some kind of like victim or someone who's really struggling or someone who has made like a bad decision and it's never it's never portrayed as she made a bad 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 decision or even made a mistake she's still going out to the club and later on it is it is shown that she's struggling with the father but it's still not judging her for any of that and i felt like that was really refreshing yeah it, it's great the way that they portray um the life of a single mother in this film and i think it's one of the real highlights of it because you're completely right it, when 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 single motherhood is portrayed in anything it's basically always seen as either 
this person is a martyr for the for the life that they're living and and it's kind of like a pity piece or showing them as being thoughtless with their actions or even worse portraying them as kind of a villain of the piece whereas here it's just this is a person who has a kid and they're trying to trying to get by and showing sort of like the day-to-day struggles of it like have being able to look after a child uh taking it to the doctor and things like that on your own and like the reliance on a support network that's outside of the traditional family unit um and and how to handle a child when you don't have that traditional family unit i think the way that it kind of just it just showed you bits and pieces of that was really interesting and and done in a way that you don't really see in film very often no and it was the same with with malachi's character as well that actually there was a huge level of nuance and complexity to all of that that could have been explored you know i i think this would this like the whole world that they built in this would have made an incredible like drama series maybe 10 part drama or something like that where you could really go deep into like malachi and his gang stuff you could you could go deep into into the the baby and all that kind of stuff, and you could gradually build up to her audition and whatever. You could throw in some other high school trope characters as as well as the other guy who's the like the the comedy the fool the guy the the lafou yeah, of the piece yeah snooky snooky <laughs> way before Jersey Shore way before Jersey Shore um Paddy I'd just like to point out to you that this series exists what? um it's The Wire. if you you cut out the dance and stuff like that um but the wire it it, um but i think it's particularly the third series really focuses on teenagers at a school um and it kind of delves into everything that's particularly interesting about this movie um not in as sort of upbeat teenagery a way but it does that kind of thing um, so I would recommend, and I know you're probably sick of people recommending that you watch The Wire because it's pretty much the number one most recommended show if you're talking to any random white dude from England. Is it? Um, <laughs> yeah. I not, felt like it was. Like I suppose when it's been we replaced were, by Game of Thrones. When we were in the, like third year of university, so yeah. what, 2009, 2008-9, around that time, everyone was watching The Wire and everyone was talking yeah. about it like it was the most the most amazing and most intelligent thing ever. And it is incredibly good, but yeah, it was really overhyped. But now, now I feel like if you're like, oh yeah, I'm watching The Wire, or if you recommend The Wire to someone, that actually seems kind of like it's a bit hipstery, a bit kind of old school, a bit like you're like you're sort of digging into the recent past. But it's still before Breaking Bad, which I never saw, or Game of Thrones, which I've never seen, or any of these kind of big. There's a lot of big TV shows now, but no, I, I reckon The Wire's kind of come round enough that it's sort of hipster cool enough for right now. Okay, good, good, because you should watch it. Um, yeah I, i'm saying I that just w- to vindicate myself because we're watch- we're recommending that you watch the wire because <laughs> i um because i didn't watch it at the same time as everyone else was promoting it i think a little bit because i was sick of people recommending it to me and i realized that it would never live up to the expectations that had been set of it by other people um so i watched it i think it was only a couple of years back um and when it, you and when you're still... done with poldock <laughs> when i'm done with watching shirtless men cutting wheat on horseback as dramatic music plays um and um a, a disclaimer i don't actually mind poldark it's fine uh, as that kind of as that kind of uh romantic idealization of um of the past it does quite a good way of showing that life's a bit grim at the same time and so i i appreciate poldark it's good yeah it which is a fun. lesson that the gammons and you know the people who ended up voting to leave need to remember 
that the past yeah. was actually quite grim. Yeah, ninety percent of the people who voted for Brexit, if they were sent back in time to the nineteen forties or nineteen fifties, as they say, want would be dead within two weeks. They all think they'd be um, Poldark, but they wouldn't. <laughs> in reality, they'd be the person who died down the mine in Poldark. <laughs> yeah, um, somebody just like fell under a fell into a ditch and just died. <laughs> it's like how it's a zombie apocalypse. Everyone thinks that oh yeah yeah I'd survive for ages. I'd I'd take my weapons and I'd I'd have all my food and supplies and I'd be really hardy. You'd be dead within ten minutes, mate. Yeah, I find that interesting because often the we have these like these discussions come up at work about um about oh if 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 technology suddenly stopped, you know, all of these young people would do so badly. Um, it, it comes up. It used to come up in my old team quite a lot. Um, oh yeah all these people that rely on the internet and stuff like that they'd never live very long because they don't understand how things work without computers like excuse me do you know how big and how expansive the agriculture world is in terms of using technology if everything suddenly died and you had to rely on growing stuff for yourself you would all be dead very soon yeah it's like as if any of those old assholes know how to like kindle a fire or any of that and, and, and the thing is that nobody knows any of those survival things and the people that do know those survival things would um be too busy masturbating themselves to death at the chance to actually live their dream um that would be the end of society it would be people like you and me paddy starving to death or accidentally setting ourselves on fire trying to light a fire and other people just spaffing it in a bunker somewhere and 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 that that would be the end of humanity it's it's not quite as you know interesting a story as the road or or as exciting as the walking dead but that's how it would really go down yeah absolutely all with a word as disgusting as spaff. <laughs> I thought you'd Such a horrid that. word. Um, I um, think but, Julia Stiles would survive in an apocalypse, though. I, I don't know. I think she seems incredibly hardy. I think she's tough as nails. I don't know. Uh, she, she seems it, but when it comes down to it and she's faced with having to, you know, start a fire could she start that fire yeah i reckon she could maybe we should ask her yeah we'll send her a quick email dear julia styles if what if there was an apocalypse and all technology stopped tomorrow would you be able to kindle a fire sincerely a podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think we need we deserve this answer don't we Um, yeah we've earned it we, we we have earned it um, but yeah, people, people, if you've not watched The Wire, give it a go. It won't be for everybody. It's very, it's very graphic. It's yep. very, um, it's very violent at times. It's very grim, but it is one of the most impressive television shows that's ever been made. Um, it's so, just, it really goes deep on its characters in a yeah. way that very few shows do. Um, and, and so it's one of those things where when people say like Game of Thrones is the best TV show ever made, I'm like, oh, is it really? No. I mean, I mean, Game of Thrones is very good, and I really like it, and I'm looking forward to watching more of it. Um, but so Charlie like... Brooker once described it. So it's all Charlie Brooker today. He once described it as Tolkien with tits. <laughs> I think that does it a disservice, and though. that's what I'm. That's what I'm sticking to. That, I think that does it a real disservice um, because it's much more than that, and I think it is. It builds a world better than than the Lord of the Rings world, definitely. Or should it um, be Tolkien with tits and gratuitous violence? Oh, there's lots of gratuitous violence in in Lord of the Rings, isn't there? 
Is there? Yeah, there's big old battle scenes. Even though he doesn't write, he chopped his head off. You know, it's kind of implied when thousands of people are dying that <laughs> there's some there's some pretty bad violence going on. Yeah. Um, no, Game of Thrones builds a better world than Tolkien's. I don't know if that's controversial to say or not, but it does. And anyone who doesn't think that is kind of kidding themselves. No, the um, world of Lord of the Rings is actually relatively small. Yeah. Um, and I reckon already... Middle Earth is about the size of Wigan. <laughs> Wigan Earth. <laughs> just the first small town that came to mind <laughs> um but yeah yeah game, game of thrones is good it's a very good television show um uh but yeah the wire does more with its characters and it, and it handles it handles themes in a way far beyond what um what a what kind of genre stuff can do and there there, there is very few as good as genre um genre television and genre film has come in recent years in terms of its thematics it feels as though it's really things like science fiction and and dystopian and horror that's really got to grips of how to handle heavy themes um whereas things like high fantasy still haven't quite got there yet and and game of thrones is the closest that you've got to that kind of thing but you have to hand it to game of thrones for being a fantasy show that has that kind of that level of popular appeal I think oh, yeah. even, even 10 years ago, it would have been inconceivable for a fantasy show to be con- to be considered like the best programme ever made. Oh, exactly. Um, and, and the fact that it does manage to handle some of those kind of issues, particularly revolving around getting dirty in politics and stuff like that within a show that's primarily about like ice zombies coming and taking over the world. Um, it's it, it, it does things very, very well. And I, it, it is one of my favourite television shows um for sure um but yeah it's it's not quite up there with like handmaid's tale or the wire oh, handmaid's in terms tale is of, very good in terms of making you think but it, and but you know it doesn't go as far into convoluted dumb territory as westworld which the second series of which has been far too difficult for its own good oh no um, i hate when shows do that yeah i think the the problem with, welcome to westworld cast by the way everybody <laughs> um have you have you watched it. any it, the first series is incredibly good it's one of my favorite things um but the second series i think because there were so many people theorizing about it i think they deliberately tried to make it more difficult for people to to decipher what was going on just right. to like try and push people a bit more and they realize they didn't realize that 99% of the people who watch their show aren't the people on reddit trying to decipher it and trying to make up stupid complex theories and instead the rest of us just want a mystery to uncover is it like lost yeah it's not as it's not as dumb philosophical as lost the the, the philosophy of of westworld is a much more on the nose lost the jordan peterson of television <laughs> <laughs> Did the bear turn up and then tell people to tidy their rooms? <laughs> no, it was um, it was all like a dream vision thing. <laughs> I don't know. I saw like three episodes of Lost and then I got really bored. But I remember um, our good friend Rob Sherman, his house in um, first year of university, like there were nine of them and they were all like super obsessed with Lost. And they had drawn this like map on the wall. They'd literally drawn the Sharpies on the wall of the house like all of the different like plot points and things interconnecting and some di- diagram. And I remember going around and thinking, you guys are fucking nerds. 
but it's really good that a movie uh, that a that a show manages to um bring that out in people isn't it so even i mean lost was never going to live up to expectations it it built too many mysteries too quickly and then refused to answer them for too long for it to ever live up to what other people like what its audience wanted um but it's but it's amazing that so many people got got brought into it um and and yeah it's i think lost lost it for me if you'll pardon my my little wordplay there um that's so much funnier than it should be <laughs> when it when it kind of it, it it stopped being about a weird mysterious island and, and there was lots of like thought about it being some kind of weird horror thing going on and like some kind of weird like not quite like tangential mystery and then that that kind of disappeared and they they left the island and they went home but then there was loads of flashbacks and did they ever really leave the island and all that kind of stuff um and the moment that it kind of passed that bit was when it started going very badly downhill and and like quite a lot of people uh, at the same time as me twigged you know what this is not going to work out as we hoped we it's better probably to just leave it here in a way you've got to respect that kind of writing where it's just keep throwing in a bunch of random shit because they know that their fans are nerds who will really read loads of stuff into it when there's not that much to it really they're just throwing some random shit shit in <laughs> and like that goes on for eight seasons and then suddenly you are where you are but we also have to thank lost for giving us the album hurley it's true without without um without the show lost we would never have received the greatest weezer album possibly the greatest album of all time the yeah the greatest album of all time if not if only well, the greatest album cover of all time if nothing else uh i'm gonna go one step further here not just the greatest album of all time the greatest piece of art of all time <laughs> yeah the crowning achievement of society yeah i mean elon musk is gonna go build his his weird libertarian colonies on mars where within 10 years they're all eating each other um yeah but the real crowning achievement of humanity will still be there with Hurley's face on it, singing about where's my sex. <laughs> Elon Musk, yeah, what's he been up to this week? I remember him last week when they were, they were, he was talking about the kids in detention centres, all that horrible shit that's going on in the US, and he tweeted, I hope the kids are okay. And then someone replied to him being like, oh, if only there was some billionaire who could like, like put loads of money into it and like help that kind of thing. And he's like, I'm one of the biggest donors to the ACLU. It's like, yeah, well done, mate. <laughs> you give lots of money to essentially a pressure group not to denigrate the work of the aclu because they've done some fantastic work especially in the last couple of years but that's not yeah that's that's not how it works elon yeah i i find elon musk a bit of a, a quandary in that he does loads of great stuff and like his ideas are kind of noble a very noble you know like uh getting rid of effectively making the internal combustion engine in cars obsolete you know that's amazing if we, if we can do that that's going to you know potentially save the world flamethrowers um, but but yeah he does other weird stuff like like the creme brulee flamethrower um and 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 he has all this stuff about the you know the amazing colonizing mars and like doing offshore like off-planet mining to reduce sort of those kind of emissions and find other places to to get these incredibly important minerals and things like that but at the same time he's like you know what everything should do, be decided by direct democracy on my on my mars colony yeah uh, Karl marx was a capitalist yeah and and part of it's trolling but part of it's not trolling 
And it's like, I mean, he's great, but I, I don't want to sound mean, but Paddy, it, is Elon Musk kind of a dick? He's I'm a knob. really worried that he's you kind of a dick. You don't have to whisper it. He, he's not kind of a dick. He is a dick. <laughs> um, but... also, well, first off, all billionaires are bad people. Billionaires, <laughs> billionaires should not exist in a world where poverty also exists. Yeah, that is true. Um, but but no, he's definitely a massive dick. You can tell when he tweets one of his things that's quite serious, and people reply to him being like, "Actually, mate, maybe not." He he always like replies to random people being all hurt about it. And it's like, well, don't tweet nonsense then. <laughs> he really tweets some very bad stuff. Although the memification of his tweets is always very very good. Like that one he did where he said Karl Marx was a capitalist. What loads of people are retweeting it with stuff like. Herman Melville was a whale. Yeah, I saw that. That was very <laughs> funny. Uh, but yeah, I think like if if he achieves everything that he wants to do, or even just part of what he wants to do, you know, he's 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 made a benefit to the world in that way because there there, there are some kind of things. Unfortunately, in the in the in the life that we live and the systems that we live in, because of the way that the world is set up now, there's going to be billionaires, and at least he's not Donald fucking Trump. Or, no. or Alan Sugar or or some other bull bag who basically just sits on their money and does nothing interesting with it. At least he's doing interesting things that could push human endeavour to new levels and, and make permanent positive changes on the world. But it's still like, mate, just don't say anything. Just do it. Yeah, I agree with that. He's just a gobshite. It's, it's <laughs> that, like... <laughs> that, that's the perfect word for him. Elon Musk is a gobshite. I think that, that that's the best way to sum him up, isn't it? But, it's like, one of I my, such a brilliant word. Yeah, gob, gobshite is a, a massively underused word. Um, but yeah, like Elon's like, I, I, I bet he's not like a, a total tosspot. Elon Musk. I bet. I like, bet you when you meet him in real life, he's good. This yeah, is so many I, people. We're judging. We're judging people on Twitter, and it's not a fair way to judge people. Yeah, I bet in real I, life he's a really nice guy. I bet you could you could meet Elon Musk and have a cup of tea with him, and it would be really nice. And he'd be like, "Oh, Elon Musk, good fella, good fella." But it's yeah. just when when whenever you go on somewhere like Twitter and you only have two hundred and eighty characters to say anything, if you have a political ideology behind you. Um, particularly one that's as idealistic as that kind of libertarian idea, um, because because libertarianism is possibly the most pipe dreamy of of those kind of ideologies. Yeah, um, but they're always the first people to dismiss ideas like universal basic income or whatever. Yeah, um, and, and but so whenever you have one of those ideologies behind you, whenever you tweet anything that could be considered political in that way, it's going to backfire particularly if you then can't back it up and you're never going to be able to back it up to everyone's extent. So so he comes across a lot worse than I bet he is in real life. But at the yeah. same time, don't dismiss unions and don't pressure your, your employees in that way, Elon. That's not cool. Yeah. He says and does some bad things and some good things. He's complex like most of us. I think if you were to look at my Twitter feed, you'd assume and then sort of try and guess what my house looks like. You'd think it was like made up of Airbud DVDs. <laughs> Mine's just erotic posters of Waluigi and Karl Marx. <laughs> That's true. I bet you you have like a specially commissioned artwork of Waluigi and Karl Marx having a smooch. Oh, I really should, shouldn't I? I should go on DeviantArt and see if anyone's willing to <laughs> accept <laughs> accept anything for me. Yeah, I'll do it for for the exposure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh dear. Um, Do you reckon Elon Musk has watched Save the Last Dance? I really hope he has. I hope that him and Grimes have sat down to watch it. Uh, and Grimes. I was is really... thinking that too. I was imagining them sitting in their home cinema watching it together, and, holding and like, hands. Grimes is rolling her eyes a little bit because she's kind of a bit too young of a generation. And then Elon is loving it. That, that yeah. that's what I reckon. I reckon he's all over it. Although I reckon he prefers Dirty Dancing. I mean, can I say something controversial? Dirty Dancing is not good. No, I was going to say that I, I I, possibly like Dirty Dancing a little bit more than this, just from a pure nostalgia factor. I honestly can't remember Dirty Dancing. I don't know if I've ever even seen it. Oh, really? I think I might have watched it once and fallen asleep halfway through or been very drunk, but I can't remember it. I, I haven't watched it in a very 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 long time like i was i was like a kid but i remember it being good fun um and and like it has that big 80s vibe to it obviously whereas maybe i'm just immune to the charms of gritty early noughties yeah i i think um say the last dance still feels kind of 90s in a way doesn't it the the way that it looks and the the way it sort of all fits together doesn't feel a million miles away from Ten Things I Hate About You just in the aesthetic, doesn't it? Like you can tell it's very early noughties. Yeah, it 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 feels like it. Everybody looks like they could be in an All Saints video. I guess is the best way to describe it. If you if you picture that, then you're picturing this movie. Um, yeah. So it, it does have that. It feels very much of its time. Um, yeah. In, in the way that it looks but i think it does tell stories that are kind of universal yeah, and you, it doesn't can, feel dated in any way no you can you can go into this film and you can you can watch it and you can understand exactly what's going on it isn't it isn't stuck in its era and the stories that it tells will kind of have that permanency and, yeah. and like the themes that it have have that permanency there's nothing here that feels particularly dated at all really there's no use of a Nokia 3210. No, no. <laughs> There's no one saying, I've got to go post this to my Bebo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is too early for Bebo. When was Bebo? 2003, three, four. Yeah, something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. God, Bebo. What happened to Bebo? I bet you they sold it to someone for loads of money and then it completely tanked. That's got to be, be what happened, surely. Yeah. And MySpace Tom. What happened to MySpace Tom? He's 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 off traveling the world. Good man. He he made a load of money, and now he just goes off traveling, and he's got a really nice Instagram where he posts loads of pictures of him doing cool shit. That's cool. Yeah. Dragging him and Elon are mates. Oh, I hope so. Uh, he uh, seems like he could give Elon a talking to talk talk him down from being really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just sit him down with Bioshock and be like, Elon, you don't want your Mars colony to end up like this, mate. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on, Elon, Let, let's chill, let's chill, let's have a beer. <laughs> oh. oh, Elon, we love you, we love you really, Elon. Yeah, he's a uh, our problematic fave. <laughs> <laughs> send me a Tesla, mate. Yeah, yeah. We actually, um, next to our new house, there's like a Tesla factory. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I see the workers walking around in Tesla polo shirts and stuff. Because it's one of those things where, um, I mean, it, it, it is going to be the future. And I know a lot of people kind of kind of scoff at electric cars. 
but companies like Volvo have said that there's not going to be any 100% internal combustion engine in their new ranges by like 2020 and stuff like that. Um, they are coming around to the idea that electric cars and hybrid cars are more economic, um, are, are more economical for drivers, um, yeah. and and people want that, and they can do it without it having a massive impact on the way that they drive. Um, so slowly but surely, it is going to go the way that Musk wants. Oh yeah, um, which is great. He's ahead of the curve for sure. Yeah. There's just going to be those gammon driving around in their old diesel cars being all like, I don't want your electric rubbish. Yeah, we're like, I thought we left the European Union. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yes. But yes, so, Save the Last Dance. What does date Save the Last Dance is one little reference where, like, she's moved into the city of Chicago from wherever she was before. It was slightly more rural and she's on the fo- there's one time she has the phone call to her friend who literally only serves the purpose to like remind you that she had a life before and the friend is like oh yeah have you seen anyone get murdered yet like she's moved to somewhere really really rough and and she says to the friend i didn't move to bosnia yeah and that that, a... that did put a very specific time stamp on it didn't it yeah um and 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 that that scene feels very weird because not only does it have that quite I suppose for this kind of movie, it's quite a tasteless little comment being, yeah. I didn't move to Bosnia. It's a bit weird. It doesn't feel right where it is. Um, and then, and then there's she, her friend is revealed as the most racist person in the movie um, by basically saying there are no attractive black men. And it's like, what, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. And Just for completely a film out that of nowhere. generally is very, very socially conscious and is pushing a very, very positive uh, and socially aware agenda yeah that feels very felt a bit a bit off but maybe that maybe it was just there to serve the purpose of saying things are better in the city don't go back don't dwell on your old life move forward that kind of thing yeah i mean it, it does make the very important point that there are some proper racist shitbags out there regardless of what age they are um but it felt really strange and it felt very out of place in a movie that handles race in a much more delicate manner than that particular scene provides Although I do, the one thing I do really like about this movie is the way that it talks about, um, about sort of like the good men of these areas, I suppose, and the way that they see her as an outsider and that that kind of rings home to her at the same time. Um, and it's like, that's, that's a pretty bold thing to do in a film that's primarily meant for teenagers as well. It's kind of point out, you know what, not every kind of racism is racism and and like you know black equality is different from white equality that kind of thing um it's quite a quite a you know bold thing to bring up in a movie that at face value seems to be about dancing it is bold and it makes a number of kind of quite bold statements but they never have a massive impact because ultimately you know that the whole story is just about her trying to get this audition really and that's not necessarily a problem like the fact that all of those all of that stuff is in there as an undercurrent is still quite good and still makes for a good experience but it just leaves you wondering if they could have done more if they could have done it differently they could have had a bigger and more impactful piece even though it was emotionally impactful it's still the ending it ended kind of abruptly 
and felt a bit flat. And like I said, I think it would make, even though season three of The Wire is there, I'm not denying it, I think this would make an incredible 10-part drama where you went deep on all the characters and could really get down to the complexities of the racial dynamics of the of the area and such. Yeah, I, I, I really do agree. And, and I think, I suppose part of it comes from we're, we're looking at this movie as two nearly 30-year-old men um, looking for stuff that perhaps was never really meant to be a core focus of the film in the first place. Um, and so, like, I think kind of these kind of things are just a bonus in a film that's primarily a movie for teenagers or, or like, people just before their teenage that's about a romance and it's about a culture clash between a country girl and a city guy. Um, yeah. And, and like having that stuff there at all is a real asset to the film. Um, and like, obviously it would be great if it went into it more. And, and, and I think like a, an HBO <laughs> save the last dance TV series, I would be all yeah. over that. That would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I, it is, we're not necessarily the target demographic here. No, not at all. It's a film that's aimed at 14-year-old girls, and I think it definitely reached them, and probably still would, actually. It does that kind of thing. It has that kind of romantic ideal of you... of you know, It portrays ro- romance very, very well, and he's a gentlemanly guy. He's the kind of guy that you want to root for and to fall for, but it also shows how you, you can find joy and strength in other people and the importance of community and friendship and not judging people and how all of those things can come together to get you where you want to go and to fulfill your dreams all of that stuff yeah that's what you need when you're in your early to mid teens so it knew exactly what it was doing and who it was for for sure yeah yeah definitely and it also teaches you the very important lesson that white people are not naturally good at dancing to good music no, um, as that's, that's a universal him. truth. Yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jordan B. Peterson, but we know you're listening. Yeah. Um, um, he's he's trying. To, he's dancing furiously right now. He's furiously being like, "I'm going to show you," wrong. and then he starts weeping because he can't dance. Yeah. Um, his, his next um his next video is going to be him dancing to like Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um. Yeah, there's some good bad dancing in this film as yeah. well, which which I appreciate. Especially with Julia Stiles, like the first time they're on the club floor and she's dancing all like wooden and strange. You're like, you know, she can actually dance really well. So actually it was probably harder for her to act that than it was to do the actual dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's 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 um and it's really awkward to watch as well and it's like yeah it kind of you've got that kind of facepalm moment and you're like yes they're i know that they're they're guiding her to become a better dancer but those initial scenes are just like oh my god just um just stop stop dancing yeah that was the the most cringeworthy bit that was good and i felt like overall she was a bit wooden compared to other performances but i think that was because of the script more than anything else and because it wasn't an outright comedy there were some funny bits but she wasn't able to be as light-hearted as she is in some other things so yeah it's, it's not an easy not an easy role to pull off actually no no you're right it's 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 a difficult one and she didn't necessarily have the best lines in the film and and as we said she's not really the most interesting character in this film no. either which i don't think helps 
Cause, she's cause a little Derek, bit passive as well, yeah, isn't she? Yeah, De- like Derek's... especially the the few scenes she's at school at the beginning, people are just talking to her and telling her go here, go here, and do this, and like I'll be your friend and stuff. And she hardly even says anything; she just kind of goes along. Yeah, and and I I understand that they're going for a um you know fish out of water new at a new school in a entirely new environment thing, but it does feel a bit like. And 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 they quickly they quickly get over that because she does then sort of speak her mind quite a bit and that helps sort of diffuse that potentially boring situation, um, but it still feels a little bit weak in that regard. Um, but but I think like you've you've got Derek's character who's so interesting and like the the whole story around his life is so interesting. You're kind of like ah, oh, this is, you know, you'd rather be watching everything about him and his family, I yeah. suppose. Especially as he stands up to Malachi as well. And the, actually that, I think, for me was the most powerful moment when he says, no, I'm not going with you on this drug raid or whatever. I'm not going with you on this drive-by. And you thought like he might, he was actually going to. And then he says to his buddy, you, you are smarter than this. Like, he's like, you are better than this. And to actually kind of say that out loud to his, his buddy, who's like, no, I've got nothing else in my life. And you can tell that like he poured his heart and soul into performing that line. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, come on. But you know that the guy's going to go off and get shot in the drug raid anyway. Yeah, it's 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 a really tragic moment, and it's you again. You can kind of understand why they didn't end it with all of them dying, but you kind of feel like the point of the film would have been that you know that you've got those two worlds, and and it's not always some a lot of it's down to luck getting out of those situations. But you know that would have been a bit of a downer ending in a, in a yes. film like this it would have been un- unnecessarily tragic when it's actually it's supposed to be an uplifting end isn't it yeah and again like i i feel like the end is abrupt but it probably would have been more clunky for them to try and resolve it somehow or to try and tie up all those threads with the scene that's like i'm going to the other side of the country but i'll always love you well actually dc to new york is not that far but no no it's not too bad is it you'd like to hope that they actually wiped it out yeah, yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, um, and now they run a dance doctor surgery. <laughs> it's like Patch Ad- Adams, but of interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm after. That's what I want from my doctor. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen Patch Adams. Have you not? No, although I know that Greg Sestero has a very small extra part in it. Who does he? Yeah, yeah, and it's uncredited. And um, I think there's a, there, isn't there a story in the Disaster Artist about he put it on his CV and he wasn't allowed to and he got in trouble for it. Oh right, I didn't know yeah. that. He's just like standing there at a funeral or something. We should um, we should watch that sometime just for to like have a look out for Greg Sestero. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Oh dear. Um, so, is there anything else you'd like to add? about save the last dance no just say all the supporting cast are very good as well and a lot of them well Kerry washington has gone on to good things um she is the main character in scandal which mm-hmm. is a very very good show claire watched every episode and i was kind of in and out you know it'd be like she's watching it when i get home from work and i'm preparing the dinner and sort of watching bits of it but that's a pretty pretty good quite schlocky and at times silly but generally quite like decent enough drama and her performance in that was very good, so she went on to great things. But the other, the other ones don't seem to have gone on to much, apart from Julia Stiles, which is a shame because they were all quite good. Yeah, and, and even Julia Stiles hasn't had as big a career as you potentially would have hoped either. 
Um, no, she deserves to be massive. She yeah. deserves to be like way bigger than she is. And, and she's been in some really great stuff. Like um, I've heard really good things about Riviera, for instance. We watched a few episodes um, of that. It was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's almost like Kerry Washington is the one who came out of this the strongest. If you're looking at where they are now, um, which which is surprising, particularly because I think Sean Patrick Thomas is great in this film. Um, but his career, you know, he's he's been in some good stuff, but a lot of it was around the same time as this. Um, so like everyone's trashy, uh, everyone's favorite trashy movie, Cruel Intentions. He, he's great oh, yeah. in that. Um, he's in Halloween Resurrection, which I don't know if you've seen. I have not. Um, that's that's not great. Um, but yeah, it's it's almost like you'd want him in more and 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 i know that he's done done bits and pieces here and there and he's done lots of television work and things like that but you know there's there's some real potential shown in this in this film and you kind of wish that he'd he'd also had the rub of the green but yeah you're right that no one's really gone on to do massive things off the back of this apart from apart from kerry washington and julia styles yeah and i think it's underrated as well like I said, I think it had a particular impact with a particular age group, but actually you don't hear people talking about it anymore. It's not referenced that much or, or anything. And I feel like it kind of deserves to be praised and looked back on a bit more than it is. But that's not to say that I think it's amazing because there are a few flaws, but generally it's it's pretty good. It's solid. And I, I enjoyed watching it. And I think it's a very interesting film. And like I said, there are very few films I can think of that are as unjudgmental as this in its portrayal of single mothers, gang violence, and other stuff. Yeah, I, I I came out of this film... Going into this film, I didn't expect it to be as deep as it was. But it really it really surprised me. Um, and, and I really enjoyed it. It was a really interesting film. Um, particularly given that, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a teenager's movie made by MTV Films, who, you know, probably best known for stuff like Beavis and Butthead and, yeah. and, and like the Jackass movie and, and things like that. Um, and and so, yeah, it's it's really interesting to to have this, this, this movie coming from the same, uh, same production company that gave us Blades of Glory and Jackass number two. <laughs> you were just waiting for Julia Stiles to turn around and go, I am Cornholio. <laughs> um so yeah it's it's a good film i i I enjoyed it it is good yeah it's in a number of different ways it really surprised me as well the the tone of it and what it did versus what it set out to do versus what i expected i thought it was just going to be another dumb teen dance movie and it was not at all yeah no it's, it's it's much more than that um and and yeah it's a very interesting which i think is really to its credit that a movie that on face value and perhaps even by the way it was it was um publicized to people is is much deeper than you initially expect yeah i'm sure if you ever i didn't watch a trailer or anything but i'm sure all the trailers and stuff make it out to just be yeah like a cheesy dance flick and yeah it's 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 really good really good film yeah cool how are we how are we going to rate this Unless you have, do you have trivia? I, I, I'll, I'll share you one little bit of trivia that I think you'll appreciate. So I know you're a fan of the table dance in Ten Things I Hate About You. It's one of the greatest scenes committed to tape. Um, and and that scene is actually why the director cast Julia Stars in the film. Oh, excellent! 
I wonder who else was in the running. Yeah, I wonder who else was. Um, but yeah, no, that, that that's the one bit of trivia that I thought you might appreciate. Oh, that's excellent. And um, Bianca Lawson, who played the sort of antagonist who appeared and then disappeared, is um, Beyonce and Solange's half-sister. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, she was quite good. I thought. Yeah, Nikki as as the kind of antagonist, but she's kind of got a point character. Yeah, when it gets down to <laughs> it, it's like okay, yeah, I can see what they're going for there. Yeah, oh, and she does a sexy dance with um, Sean Thomas Patrick Michael. What's his name? <laughs> um, Sean Patrick Thomas. Sean Patrick Thomas. Yeah. So yeah. That was good. I thought she was good and again probably deserves to be much more famous than she is. Yes, yeah. I, I, th- there's a lot of that in this film. Um what one thing that you might find interesting is that um that Sean Patrick Thomas he's going to be in this movie uh, called The Children that's coming out this year, I think. Um also starring uh, Linda Cardellini, who I'm a big fan of. I don't know if you're a fan of her as well. I don't um, know if I know her. What what might I have seen her in? Um, so you might recognise her as Velma from the live action Scooby Doo movies. Okay. Um, or in um in League. That's not Blonde. a reference I expected anyone to be making. <laughs> <laughs> Which did you know that Scooby Doo? Um, oh. Was that is an amazing Scooby Doo impression? Can I just say? Years of practice. <laughs> um. It was it was written by James Gunn, who did uh, Super and Guardians of the Galaxy. No way. Yeah. Now that's some trivia. Um, and you can kind of see elements of that within it. I think it's a very there's a, a sort of slapstick sensibility to it, isn't there? Yeah. There, there's this tongue-in-cheek slapstickness to it. It knows what it's doing, and there's this kind of undercurrent of a remake trying to uh appeal to a modern day audience and and a lot of the characters kind of make reference to it and a lot of them act in that way as well so i think i think it gets a bad rep the scooby-doo movie there's more there than people give it credit for um but yeah so she's in that and uh brokeback mountain legally blonde um all sorts of really good stuff over the years um and and they are in this movie called the children uh which is uh described as a relaxing Christmas vacation turns into a terrifying fight for survival as the children begin to turn on their parents. Wow. Which I'm on board with. Sounds great. I want evil zombie kids getting hit in the face by their parents as they cry. It sounds like the kind of incredibly depressing horror movie (laughs) that I'm totally on board with. But how old are the kids, though? That's true. How old are they? You know, if they're five or six, that's very different to if they're 15 or 16. Yeah, if it's a bunch of teenagers, then, you know, go ahead. They probably deserved it before they turned into murderers. But then monsters. I guess they'd have called it the teenagers. The teenagers, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it sounds like the kind of horrible thing that I'm totally on board with. Um, yeah. So, yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Also a, also a dance. Stu- stupid dance film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how are we going to rate this out of 20 then? Good question. I wonder. I'm trying to think of something to do with the club or how many sessions of training you would need before you are ready for your audition. Something like that. I think that might be the best I've got. Um, how many 
times do you will you be listening to Fat Man Scoop in a row in the club? <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack was very good. Soundtrack's really. great. Really, really. And the guy who played Malachi is a rapper called Fredro Starr, and he did some of the songs as well. Yes, yeah. Um, I saw that he was... Because he, he's also in The Wire in a few episodes as well, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. He's got a know. little role in, in in The Wire. I can't remember that. I, it's been a long time since I watched it. Yeah, I had to look up who he was. I didn't recognise him from it immediately. But then I saw a quick photo and was like, oh, yeah, he's that fella. That guy. Um, cool. How many times around on the Fat Man scoop? <laughs> How many scoops of Fat Man? How many scoops of Fat Man out of 20? It sounds like a kind of reverse protein shake thing. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a 15 out of 20, which I think may have been the same score that I gave to 21 Jump Street last week. <laughs> very, very different films, both good and worthy of that score for very different reasons. But yeah, I think it was it was really, really solid. Not necessarily like in- incredible. I think, yeah, once you get into the top tier, so... 16 to 20 yeah you have to have done something to really really grab me um and it didn't do that but it was still very very good and it's underrated how about you yeah same here i'm gonna give it a 13 um i felt like that that's kind of me being a little bit overly critical but it answered it asked a lot of questions that it never answered but the fact that it asked them in the first place um really was something and and it does something that not a lot of movies of its type do so yeah i was i was pleasantly surprised by this film put it that way um it was much better than i thought it was going to be and it was much more complex than i thought it was going to be yes i i i'd say the same cool well done so i'm just i'm updating our chart live just so that i so i don't forget i think that this is episode 60 oh wow there we go yeah you know what only nine episodes away from 69 (laughs) (laughs) nice you're gonna have to do something really (laughs) have to do something really nice for that um maybe that's when we should bust out um the uh the 50 shades of gray maybe yeah i was thinking of that or nine songs 69 songs (laughs) 69 songs (laughs) oh yeah we could do the the album 69 love songs by the magnetic fields (laughs) (laughs) there we go yeah Uh, very good very good yeah so Baywatch is still at the bottom with an average score of 3.5 that is not a good score is it (laughs) no it's very it's very bad that's very and then next is William and Kate the movie with an average of four after that is do you want to guess can you remember is it the bridges of madison county next or is that no no there are let me see between William and Kate and the bridges of madison county there are one two three four five six films but this is done on average score so the score both of our scores averaged out rather than our individuals (laughs) (laughs) not that there was a huge huge differential but um yeah i gave the bridges of madison county a 10 you gave it a seven whereas there are are some that yeah yeah considering the longest running joke in podcast history which is just anything to do with the bridges of madison county and how much you how much you hate it um you, you really scored it, it quite reasonably yeah what, what, what what's next then what came after what's after wills and kate the movie new year's eve you, oh i'd forgotten we'd even watch new year's eve 4.5 that explains how you know that it is a truly dreadful film yeah, that was not great <laughs> yeah 
The only reason it even got there is because of Zac Efron. That's true. Him and him and Michelle Pfeiffer were the one bit of that film that yeah. you know salvaged it a little bit. Um, and, and then next with six point five, you want to guess? No, go on, tell me. Twilight. Twilight. <sighs> the Twilight Saga. The Twilight Saga as a whole. Yeah. I mean, that's averaged out across the three films, though, which is that Breaking Dawn obviously scored 20 out of 20, but then the others scored like one out of 20 each. It's true. That's yeah. exactly, exactly. No, I mean, um, New Moon. Oh, sorry. New Moon, yeah, for our Wolf New Boys. Moon is the good one. Wolf yeah. Boys for Life. It's all about New Moon. <laughs> and then, I'll just tell you, Never Been Kissed, Harry and Meghan, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, and Love and Other Drugs all scored lower than the Bridges of Madison County overall. I'd say, I'd say that's accurate. I, yep. I I think that's that's good. That's good scoring. I stand by our decisions there. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. I'll I'll share the um I'll share a link to the charts in the snow in the show notes. Snow notes. <laughs> snow notes. <laughs> Been skiing recently. <laughs> you know, I I would love to have some snow right now. This heat is fucking killing me. The, the heat at the moment is horrendous. Um, I don't want to become that British guy who complains about the heat but it is too much yeah give me not cool any weather where you are forced to wear one layer of clothing is too much in england yeah um i always want the option to at least be wearing a cardigan when i'm in this country hot weather should be for outside of the uk or a thin jumper yeah yeah that is the perfect temperature for the uk outside of the uk i'm quite happy to be walking around in just like you know a vest singing vindaloo String vest, <laughs> whilst with with a Saint George's cross painted on my chest as I walk down the streets of Marbella, going, "I'm from England." <laughs> is this how you've been celebrating the World Cup? That, that's exactly. I've been walking around Sussex, um, with my belly out, with <laughs> with the Union Jack emblazoned on both arms and the Saint George's cross on my belly, um, and then I'm making singing noises with my belly button. Uh, oh, going, yeah. I'm from England. England is the best. All, <laughs> all you other countries are rubbish because this is nationalism. Your teams are no good. Your teams the are European no good Union is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's your EU football team, eh? Why is the EU not qualified for the World Cup? <laughs> yeah, not even good enough to qualify for the World Cup, but we have to give them three fifty million a week. That money could be going towards Harry Kane and his beautiful chin. <laughs> Has he got a beautiful chin? He does have chin. a beautiful chin. I don't know what he looks like. I do know who he is, though, so that's something. Oh, there we go. That is that is football knowledge that's above what I expected of you, actually. Yeah. I know who Harry Kane is. I know who Jurgen Klopp is. And that's why I think that's where my football knowledge ends. <laughs> do you know who Raheem Sterling is? Oh yeah, he's the guy who's got the gun tattoo on his face. Yes. Leg. Yep. Um, who everybody hates. Yep. Is he good at footing the ball? He is good at footing the ball, and I feel very bad for him that lots of the right wing press has come after him. Um, yeah. Obviously, I I don't think that's a great thing to have tattooed on you, but there is meaning to it that is personal to him about his family and stuff. So I'm just like, well, who cares? You know, get over it. Also, even if there wasn't, it's a motherfucking cool looking tattoo and he has the opportunity to score a goal with it and then stand with his leg holding it like a gun and going bam, 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 bam as a celebration. That is quite cool. You know, it would be amazing. And if he scores at the World Cup, (laughs) if he doesn't do that just to annoy Piers Morgan, I'm going to be bitterly disappointed in him. I'm already so excited for how much Piers Morgan is going to shit his pants if that happens. 
<laughs> He'll be found throthing at the mouth, even more is, red and jellied in the face than he is. He is going to soil his diaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Piers Morgan's a bull bag. He it's is on the record. Can I just a knob? He is a bull bag of the highest <laughs> order. He is a shriveled scrotum. <laughs> Oh dear! A burned ham of a man. <laughs> it was it was Ruby Tando who first called him a sentient ham, and I feel like that's <laughs> that's fantastic, genius. Um, do we have any other any other business today, Paddy? Or I don't else? think so. No, I want to just yeah, just ask you how much you're enjoying the World Cup. Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. I am enjoying the World Cup a lot. I always really love international football. Um, how are Argentina getting on? Argentina is through to the next round. I'm cool. actually wearing my Argentina shirt today in honor of. The oh, is team. that what that is? I was yeah. trying to see what the thing, the purple thing down there was. I thought it was like some Waluigi thing. <laughs> it, 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 it's like if Waluigi was a little um, Mickey Mouse esque bear thing. I don't know who he is. Whether he's maybe an old mascot to an Argentina World Cup, something like that. I don't know. It, That's quite hip. Yeah, I, I I liked the design, and I was like, I can I can pick that up because I can wear it around after the World Cup without Gammon confronting me and saying, why are you wearing an Argentina shirt? You're um, unpatriotic. Yeah, you're unpatriotic. You know, that's happened to me a few times during really? World Cups. It's part of the reason why I never really care that much for England doing well, is I've been accosted probably about three times over these kind of tournaments by drunk people on the street saying, oi, you're supporting England, aren't you? If you're not supporting England, why aren't you supporting England? And it's like, oh my God, leave Ugh, me alone. Fuck off. What if you were from Argentina? Exactly. If I'm from Argentina, I'd just be like, kick them in the nuts, shout at them, give me back the Falklands, and then we'll go. Um, they, they probably think Argentina's in the EU anyway. I mean, they probably do. But what annoys me is that a lot of the people who get really involved in the World Cup, uh, those kind of particular gammon, don't really care about football the rest of the time anyway. Yeah. So I just leave, leave football alone. Football fans should be angry and bitter about other things, not just about nationalism. Get yeah. in the bin. Go away. But the the ones who probably the people who probably are passionate football supporters year round and really care about their teams and whatever are the, probably the ones who make the least noise during the World Cup. Yeah, it's definitely true. You you get some sets of supporters that really get into it from different places, but they're generally South of England teams as well. A lot of the a lot of the like strong supporters of North of England teams don't get too involved in in World Cup celebrations. Um, they they kind of just you know appreciate that it's a world cup and that the world cup's great which it is this this year in particular the world cup has been fantastic if you're into your football it's been a good time well my favorite thing about it has been a tweet that a friend of the podcast adam maleski did with the cover of the film andre which if you've never seen the film andre it's about a sea lion who dresses up like a human and befriends humans i i've definitely seen it but i can't really remember the content but anyway, on the front cover of the film, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and he did a tweet saying sea lions on a shirt. And it's only got like two <laughs> retweets. And considering some of the absolute shit that gets thousands of retweets, I'm really offended that this hasn't got more retweets. So you should go and retweet it. I mean, if a tweet about the sexual energy of Waluigi can get quite a significant number of retweets, <laughs> why this is, is Adam's tweet not getting higher numbers? That's all I'm going to say to you people. Come on, get on it. 
this is true. And then I was looking up Andre earlier on and I found a picture of it, the DVD of it. And on the front, it's got a quote from some journalist about the film that sounds like it's been Google translated from some other language into English. <laughs> it says, <laughs> the feel-good movie that lifts the heart, tickles the funny bone and soars the spirit, a must-see film for all ages. <laughs> you know, that makes sense, but it's like... It doesn't quite seem right, does it? Would a human person ever say those words in that order? No, no. It's, uh, it's a little bit, little bit weird, isn't it? It sounds yeah. a little bit weird. It soars the spirit. Did a robot write that? That's what I'm asking. Maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's attributed the quote here down here to Robot Robot. Oh, okay, there we go. Uh, Critic Bot 1.2, I think it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sea lions on a ship. That's the best World Cup content. That is the best hashtag content of this World Cup. Yeah. If, for, if you're not from if you didn't grow up in england like us you might not be aware of what that what that is a pun on it's three lions on a shirt which is from a famous song three lions on a shirt it goes like that yes it was everywhere it was the 90s was it a 90s song? yeah it was 96 it was released when because the whole song is about how football's coming home because the european championships were coming to um england uh, so they made this big song about it. We've written by the Lightning Seeds and Badil and Skinner. Yeah, and it's a, it's a very catchy song, and it's kind of been taken on by England fans since then. My favourite thing is that they re-released it with some slightly more depressing lyrics two years later, uh, because football did not come home in 1996, <laughs> and they wanted to make another version of the song for '98, uh, where they said, you know, this time it really is coming home. Uh, Ron Howard voice did not come home in 1998 either. <laughs> it did not come home. It did not come home. Um, Football is still not come home. <laughs> it is refusing to come home. But maybe this year it will. It popped out for a packet of fags and never came home. Never back. came home. Yeah. <laughs> what What are we watching next? So but It's your choice. It, Bearing in mind that this is my birthday episode. It's my birthday next week. It is. This better be good. So I'm I'm going for a movie that is very, very recently released and has been getting loads of good praise from people saying that it is a classic rom-com style movie. Okay. Um, it's called Set It Up. It's a Netflix original. Okay, yeah. And this has been popping up on the Netflix when we open it. Yeah, and, and it's been getting lots of good praise from people who like romantic movies. So we'll be watching Set It Up. Excellent. It's very good to do recent stuff. I feel like people are probably more interested in that content than they are in hearing us talk about um, Save the Last Dance. Well, (laughs) unless you're of a particular age, I I guess. I I think Save the Last Dance will have a decent decent lot of people around it. Yeah, for sure. Probably more people than the Bridges of Madison County, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, that's exciting. Yes. I think, yeah. So it's very, very good. So all that remains is for us to say, thank you as always for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, hope you've enjoyed it, especially all the Elon Musk chat. Yeah, um, that, that's, you know, that's why people come to this podcast is to listen to us talk about The Wire and Elon Musk. Yeah. So yeah, I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, if you like us, leave us, do leave us a review on iTunes or Acast or wherever the hell you get your podcast. It really, really does help. And tell your friends. 
tell them people say what podcast you've been listening to tell them about us you know we need we need the listens we appreciate it so that we can get gregs to send us our sausage rolls yeah this is all about the promotions and all about the money from advertisers we don't yeah. do this for love people come on promote us get us some we, some of that sweet money sweet podcast we are very money. much in this for the dollar <laughs> yeah so yeah if you want to tell us off you can email us at bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at bigboysdon'tpod um, we always love to hear from you what do you think of Save the Last Dance who would you save the last dance for huh. yeah let us know. are you a gobshite <laughs> are you a gobshite <laughs> actually we'll be able to infer that from your tweets we, we will um, if if you had the chance to tell Piers Morgan off, what would you tell him? <laughs> yeah, I'd tell him just to go away. I'd I'd push him down a well. Not even gonna lie. <laughs> One that has like really smelly residue at the bottom. Yeah, it's full of like old leaves mm. and eels. Yeah, and that's that's where he lives now. Yep, down the well. <laughs> All right, we will be back next week to talk about step up, <laughs> step up, <laughs> set it up, set it up. Okay, all right, all right, bye. bye. <laughs> all right.